The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. All right, if you got your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 5. You should know where Galatians is by now. This is the ninth week of a series we've been in on the fruit of the Spirit, where we've been talking about what it looks like to live a Spirit-formed life, to display the character of Jesus, because that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's the character of God on display. It's empowerment that comes from God. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the person. It's the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in your life, but we play a part in displaying it. And today, we come to the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. Self-control. Now, how many of you ever heard of the marshmallow man before? You ever heard of the marshmallow man? Any of you guys? No one has? Okay, people that were in first service have? All right, so here's the marshmallow man. Now, now I know some of you, you may be like me. You know, I grew up in the 80s, and in the, in the 80s, there was a movie that came out called Ghostbusters. Some of you were thinking about the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. You remember him from the 80s? That's not who I'm talking about. It's not about this today. Uh, I'm also, for those of you who are a little bit younger, I'm not talking about Christopher Comstock, the DJ who does collaborations. You know him as Marshmallow. Maybe some of you have seen this guy come up to your house at trick-or-treat season, and you're like, why is a kid dressed like that? Well, it's a DJ guy that does album collaborations and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not talking about him either. That's not really what this is about. I'm talking about this guy. This is Walter Michelle. And in the 1970s, he was a Stanford professor who did this experiment with marshmallows that got him the name The Marshmallow Man. So here's what he did. He wanted to kind of test uh, self-control, the practice of self-control in the lives of these little kids and talk about delayed gratification. So he took these kids one at a time. He placed them in a room with a table, and this is all being video recorded. He sat them in the room, and then he brought out a big marshmallow. And he sat it in front of them, and he said, hey, this is your marshmallow. This is for you. You can have it. But here's the deal. I'm going to leave here in a moment, and I'll be gone for a few minutes. But I'm going to come back, and when I come back in, I'm going to have another marshmallow. And if when I come back in, this marshmallow is still here, you not only get to have this one, but you get to have this other one I'm going to bring in too. So it's yours. You can have it right now. But if, if I come back and this one's gone, then you're not going to get the other one. All right? And then he leaves. And so on the video, you've got these little kids who are just wrestling with this issue now. He leaves and they're just like, some of them are just like looking away from it, like, oh my gosh, what? Trying to think of something else. They're talking to themselves, like, I, you got this, you know, you can do it. <laughs> so they start, pick, some of them pick it up and start like really looking at it, smelling it. One of them's like rubbing it on his lips. <laughs> they're picking off little pieces of it and eating it, you know, not quite totally going for it. And then there's a few kids that are just like trying to resist and then it's like, forget this. And they just pound the thing. But, but the whole point of, 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 the, of the, the deal was like he wanted to, to do this experiment with these kids and then watch them for years and see if there were any parallels that could be drawn between the decision they made with this marshmallow as a child and where they ended up in life. And I don't know how much you can really put into that, but the point is this. Sometimes it's hard to control ourselves, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to put stuff aside, to put things aside. And, 
And so the good news for you and for me today is that we don't have to just deal with this on our own. Can I get an amen? Amen. God has given us the fruit of the spirit of self-control to help us with this. Look at this with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, but the fruit of the spirit is, say it with me one last time, church, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Today we're talking about self-control, and this may not be the fruit of the spirit you've been looking forward to the most, but I'm telling you, listen, This is so important. This is a bookend fruit of the Spirit. Love and self-control. If you are going to operate in any of the other fruits of the Spirit and have any of the rest of that displayed in your life, these two have to be understood. If you're going to walk in all the other fruit of the Spirit, man, this one, self-control, you've got to have a plan for it in your life life. So let's dig into this this morning, but let's pray before we do. Lord, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word, the Bible, was breathed by you, and it is the very breath of God. And just like, Lord, we take a deep breath, and it it provides life for our body. We thank you, Lord, as we take in your word right now, as we breathe in your word, it brings life to us in every area of our life. And we're going to leave this today different than how we came in here, that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Your Holy Spirit would would rest on this place. Lord, we know you're here this morning because we've been worshiping and praising you and you inhabit the praises of your people, so you're here. And so I ask that you would speak to every person in this room today. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do and give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. In order to be self-controlled, you need to realize something. Self-control really is this, it's really spirit control. It's, it's allowing the spirit of God to bring control into your life. I'm not, remember the fruit of the spirit is not you mustering this up in your own strength. And so self-control, even though it's called self-control, really it's about the thing, the steps that we take to enable the spirit of God to bring something to our natural. There's a natural, but then there's a supernatural that God provides. So the word that, that, that Paul uses in Galatians, which Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote this, the word he uses for self-control is the Greek word kretos, and it means this, having an inner strength to master one's desires, passions, especially his sensual appetites. So listen, a person who's walking in the fruit of the spirit of self-control has an inner power They're enabled internally by the Spirit of God to overcome appetites and desires that would maybe try to pull them away from God. Now, just so you know, you have some of that in you. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, jot this down. Myself needs control. Myself needs control. Listen, the very idea that self-control is a thing tells us that there's a part of your life that needs mastering, that needs to be brought under control. Okay, so get this. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, and hopefully you have, if you haven't, you're going to get an opportunity to do that at the end of the service today. But once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Bible says you are born again. And inside of you, a spirit that was once dead comes alive in Christ Jesus, and you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Man, that is awesome, right? So there's a part of you that's completely made new at the moment of salvation, but there's some other parts of you that are not. (laughs) 
Because you are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And how many of you know, when you got saved, man, God did a work in your spirit, but there's some other parts of you that didn't necessarily transform overnight. There's some parts of you that maybe some thinking in you, some habits that were in you, that just because you made Jesus the Lord of your life, that stuff didn't just disappear. You didn't all of a sudden just go from being a person who struggled with anger to now, oh my gosh, I don't have that anymore. And so the Bible talks about this. There's a working out of your salvation where what's, what's happened inside of you in your spirit, now we begin to partner with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit and our spirit in partnership with the Holy Spirit begins to work out from the inside that into the outside. You guys tracking with me? But there's some parts of you that, that haven't been renewed, that haven't been made new. And th- that part of you rages, will fight against what God wants to do in you. And really, that's what Galatians 5 is talking about. When you read Galatians 5 in context of the whole section of Scripture, it's talking about a spirit-formed life and what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. But before that, it talks about what it looks like when you don't walk in the Spirit. Look at this with me. Galatians 5, verse 16 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or fulfill the desires of the flesh. Another translation says, uh, you won't fulfill the compulsions of selfishness. We all have a bent towards selfishness in us, don't we? And, and sometimes we've done things in our life, we've carried on in ways in our life that, li- that lend us towards habits, you know? You smoke and you chew and you run with girls who do. And so after you get saved, you still smoke and still want to smoke and chew and run with the girls that do, right? We got to work that out. So we walk by the Spirit. We can work it out. Verse 17, for the flesh, look at this, desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So notice there's a battle. There's a fight here. In fact, it goes on to say that. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. What, what that means is not what you don't get to do what you want. It's saying you're not doing what the spirit, the new born again spirit wants. Your spirit wants to do what's right. It's not your spirit that, that, needs, a, that needs to be renewed and reformed. That's good. God did that. Yeah. It's, it's the other stuff. Yeah. And that stuff's warring against what your spirit really wants, which is the connection and the life that God's called you to. Look at this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. So now Paul's going to list by the Spirit of God, these acts that point to a person who's not walking in a Spirit-filled life. And listen, some of these are on display in people who don't know Jesus, but, ha- but you're going to see some of these are on display in people who do, because we don't bring this stuff under submission to God like we should. Now, I'm going to read this list to you, and some of these words, you're going to be like, yeah, that ain't me. You'll see that. But when I, I start to explain what these words actually mean, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that kind of is me sometimes, all right? So look at this with me. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality and impurity, that's lustful thoughts. And debauchery, that word debauchery is pornonea. It's where we get the word pornography from. It says idolatry, that's chasing after things instead of God, putting other things ahead of God. And witchcraft, witchcraft, we hear that and we're like, oh, that one I'm good. I, I don't have a cauldron at my home and a black crow. I'm not <laughs> making incantations. I'm good. I'm not, I don't have a black hat with a point and you know, right? I don't know. That's not what that's talking about. You know what witchcraft really is? It's manipulation. Yeah. That we do, don't we? We manipulate sometimes. Hatred and discord. That's senseless arguments. There's another one. Read your Facebook feed. Boom. 
jealousy, resentment when others are favored, fits of rage, that's temper tantrums, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, thinking of yourself with no regard for what this decision may mean to other people, dissensions, that's angry quarrels. One translation says that's social media statements. Factions, division, and dissenting groups. That's what that is. Driving division, separation, and envy, being envious of the blessings of others. Drunkenness, uncontrolled addictions, orgies, wild parties. That's what the Bible calls orgies. College life sometimes, right? And the like. Now look at what it says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So listen, even if you're a Christian, even if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you don't learn how to deal with some of this stuff, it's going to keep you from the fullness of the kingdom life God's called you to and the purpose he's called you to and the difference that he's called you to in this world. Verse 22, here it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such these things there's no law. It goes on to say, verse 24, those who belong to Christ, if you belong to Christ, look at the person beside you and say, I belong to Jesus. So this is us, right? Those who belong to Christ have, check it out, crucified the flesh. We'll talk more about that in a minute. With its passions and desires, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with Spirit. Not, we're not getting ahead of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to fall behind. We want to stay in step, in stride with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Okay, so get this. Whether you're a believer or not, there's a natural part of you that wants that, that if you're not connected, even if you're a Christian, if you're not connecting with God like you should be, you're going to struggle with this stuff. And what, what we see in this list, really, if you think about it, it's, it's out of control. It's out of control living, out of control thinking. And I think we can all relate, like that is what we see in the world, isn't it? A lot of out of control stuff going on. I, I was reading this week about some just different statistics related to where the world is right now. Uh, the average American, check this out, has $38,000 worth of debt. And that doesn't include a mortgage. $38,000. The average American. Um, we all know the stat, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. That stat barely changes related to the church. 40% of the reason why people get divorced is because of adultery. Um... 20%, well, let me see, 20% of people under the age, uh, no, 40% of people under the age of 20 are struggling with obesity. 70% of people above the age of 20 are struggling with obesity. One of the number one media industries in the world right now is the porn industry. The porn industry makes annually $100 billion. Billion. Just so you know, that's more than Netflix, Hulu, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the NFL, Major League Baseball, porn. So we hear that, and what do we think? I don't know what you think, but I'm thinking this. Things are out of control. Yeah. And the reason they're out of control is because the world is not submitted to the Spirit of God. It's not submitted to the ways of God. So this is how God put it to me, and hopefully... You guys have time to kind of write this down or maybe it's in your notes this morning. If you leave your life to yourself or your flesh, you'll become self-absorbed, 
self-reliant and self-seeking, which will lead you to being self-sabotaged and ultimately you will come self-defeated. Romans 8, 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, say these next three words with me, you will die. If you live according to that nature, it's gonna kill you. Doesn't necessarily mean you're just physically die, but your dreams will die. God's plan for you will die. Your relationships will die. Things will begin to die. So either we kill the flesh or it's gonna kill us. So I wanna talk to you this morning and give you five things that are gonna help you to walk in the spirit of self-control because the good news, listen, the good news, church, is God has given us a Holy Spirit who wants to produce the kratos, self-control power enabling you to overcome this garbage that your, your body wants to kind of come in line with and your mind wants to come in line with. You can overcome that through the spirit of God, but there is a partnership you play in that. So we do our part in the natural. We take the steps we know to do, submit it to the word in partnership with the Holy Spirit and God provides his supernatural that helps us walk it out. Okay, so here's five things that you need to do if you're gonna walk in the, in the kratos self-control of the Holy Spirit empowered to overcome this world. Here's number one, give the Holy Spirit interrupting rights. Give the Holy Spirit the right to interrupt you in life. Now, typically we don't like interruptions, do we? Some of you parents, you can relate to this. You have that moment, it's 2.24 in the morning and you are sleeping and it's awesome, right? And all of a sudden you get this little tap on your face. <laughs> and it's one of your children and you open your eyes and you don't know what is going on right now. But eventually it hits you, there's a child in front of you and so you get... You get a little bit of self-control. And you look at them and you say, what's going, what's going on? And they say, I threw up. <laughs> okay. And now your heart just sinks. Where, where did you do it? <laughs> and they look at you and they say, everywhere. <laughs> did any of it go in the toilet? No, everywhere but the toilet. Okay. Get in bed with mom. I'll be right back. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this. Because you don't want to send them back up there. Because then they'll just go rummaging through it. And play. <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> Interruptions, right? Here's what happens. When an interruption occurs, progress is stopped. You were sleeping and that progress has been stopped. And so often in life, we don't like this. We don't want to be interrupted. We don't want the progress of our life to be stopped. But listen, when it comes to walking out the nature that your selfish, fleshly nature wants to do, man, we need someone to come along and interrupt us from time to time. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And by the way, let me just, let me just mention something about the Holy Spirit when I talk about the Holy Spirit and giving him interrupting rights. Just so you know, the Holy Spirit is God. Yeah. And he's powerful. The Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Of power, and here's the bookends, and love and self-control. That's the spirit God wants to give you in your life. So here's the Holy Spirit. He wants to partner with you and help you and enable you. And, and what we need to do is we need to, to form our life in such a way that we say, Holy Spirit, I recognize you know more than me. 
and you want to bring back the word to me and you want to help me to not walk in the flesh and, and go towards what the flesh leads me towards, which is death. So Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm welcoming you in. You have interrupting rights. Come and speak to me. If I got to train a thought going and it's taking me in a direction that's leading me away from what the word of God says, which is truth, then interrupt that so I can stop that and put that to death. If, if, I've got, if I'm getting ready to say something, Holy Spirit, interrupt me. Husbands, some of us need the Holy Spirit to interrupt us when we talk. <laughs> you ever seen that meme? It's like the golden girls and one of them has like their hand over the other one. Dude, that is me so often. I'm getting ready to say something. The Holy Spirit's like, Nyeh! okay, hum, swallow it. We need that. So, so here's the thing. We, we invite him to interrupt, but here, here's the next step. When he interrupts, listen and obey. Because I'm telling you, if you start to invite the Holy Spirit into your life to interrupt you, he will because he loves you. He wants to help you. He's your helper. That's what Jesus said. He was going to send you this helper. He wants to help you. So when he does, you got to listen and you have to obey. Listen and obey. Because if you treat him like, you know, like the little cartoon character that pops up and you got the devil on one side and an angel on the other, if you see the Holy Spirit that way and you're just kind of like, I don't want that right now. Shh. If you shush the Holy Spirit, guess what? He'll be quiet. And you don't want that. You need him. You need him making his little interruptions. So you got to listen and you got to obey. We need interruptions from the Holy Spirit. So invite him in, welcome him in. Here's the next thing, number two. You got to put to death what's already dead. Put to death what's already dead. Look back at Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ, if you're saved, you made Jesus the Lord of your life, that's you. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucified, the flesh means there to mercilessly kill it. Strong language, right? But here's the thing you got to understand about your flesh. You can't pacify the flesh. You can't manage the flesh. If you want to deal with the flesh, you got to murder the flesh. You got to put it on the altar and you got to slit its throat. Look at what the Bible says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. Kill it. Why? Romans 8, 6 says, the outlook of the flesh is death. The outlook of your life in partnership with the selfish, fleshly nature of your life, the outlook of your life is going to be death. So you got to put it to death. And listen, you got to put it to death on the daily. Every day you got to make this decision. Jesus said it like this in Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Everybody say daily. And follow me. Paul later on says, I'm crucified with Christ and I die daily. So here's what Jesus and Paul are saying. You got to kill the fleshly, selfish, not submitted to God nature side of you and you got to do it every single day. Why? Because Romans 8, 13. If you live that way, it's going to kill you. So the decision is this. You either kill the flesh or it's going to kill you. That's the decision in front of you. So you got to put to death 
what's dead and what leads to death. Let me say it another way. Make decisions against yourself every day. You know, some of the best decisions you will make in your life are decisions against yourself. Like that guy with abs. He has abs and you don't because he made some decisions against himself that you weren't willing to make. The person who eats healthy, they got to make decisions against themselves. I'm not going to eat the Twinkie. I'm going to have hummus and carrots. The Twinkie's better in the moment. Why are you laughing, Sarah? I've been preaching the choir this week. The person who, who gets a doctorate, the person who furthers their education, they had to make decisions against themselves. While everybody else is playing Xbox, while everybody else is going to coffee shops and hanging out and seeing movies and doing this stuff, I'm going to go further my education because the fruit it's going to yield later is greater than this thing right in front of me right now. Uh, the person who saves money, you make decisions against yourself. I'm not going to buy this right now. I'm going to save. I'm going to put away. The person who puts their, their, their spouse ahead of them, puts their children ahead of them and serves them. The person who comes to church and serves on the weekend. I, I think all of us would agree. We'd, we, it would be nice to just be able to come to church and come and sit and worship and leave. But, but we understand that that's not yielding the greatest fruit. God's called us to something better. So we make decisions against ourselves, and it yields to a greater glory. And that's what Jesus invites us to, put to death what's already dead. So practically, what does this look like? It looks like we make some serious decisions and we take death blows to the stuff that's killing us. So often we want to pacify stuff. We want to try to manage it. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with, with people and they'll tell me something like, man, I'm struggling with porn. All right, here's what you need to do. You need to get accountable. You need to bring some people into your life that can help you with this. You need to talk with your spouse. You need to talk with your friends. You need to get a flip phone. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't want a flip phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, wanna, I, I, I don't need it to go that far. What you're saying is, I, I think I can manage my flesh. You know what I say to them? then this is going to keep killing you. Death blows. What's a death blow? Like quit playing around with it. Because listen, it's killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your relationships. It's killing the calling. You're missing out. And the enemy's like, you don't need to go that far. You're not that bad. I've talked to people and they're like, man, I'm really struggling with fear. Just fear consumes me. All right, well probably need to disconnect from social media for 90 days. Probably need to quit watching. You watch the news? Yeah, quit watching the news. Well, how, well then I won't be informed. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> Listen, I don't watch the news at all and I barely use social media. And you know what? I somehow know everything that's going on. And the stuff I never hear about, I didn't need to know. It didn't matter. But I lose zero sleep worried about crap that's not going to affect me. And I don't walk in fear. 
because I've put some death blows in place. So, so, so listen, so listen what's, what's that look like for you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Listen. He's talking right now to some of you. Listen and obey. Get ruthless. The Bible, it's interesting, the Bible talks in, in some of the language, I didn't get into all this, but in some of the language of the Bible talking about putting to death your flesh, the idea is laying it on the altar, putting a knife to the gullet of a throat and ripping the throat out. <laughs> yeah. It was like movies that we aren't allowed to see till we're 18, right? But it's strong language because it's a strong point. So we got to put to death what's killing us. Put to death that stuff. Here's number three. Stay full of what satisfies. Stay full of what satisfies. Now, I got to make a, uh, I got to let you guys know something today related to me. And at the risk of being a little braggy, it needs to be said. Um, <laughs> I in no way struggle with eating garbage out of dumpsters. I don't, guys. I know, I know. You're probably going, man, this guy, what? Thinks he's better than everybody else. But I don't. It's not an issue. It's not in my heart. I don't, I don't like walk by a, an alley it's darkly lit with grimy looking dumpsters. I don't look at those dumpsters and be like, man, I really want to get in one of those dumpsters and dig around and find some garbage and eat it. Even if it's like a restaurant that I really like, I don't drive by the back of it and I'm like, oh gosh, look at that dumpster. There's probably some food from in the restaurant in there maybe. Even if you were to come up to me and be like, they just threw it out, it's still warm. I don't care. It's in the doggy bag. It's not even touching the, the dumpster. No, I don't care. You know why? Here's why I don't struggle with this. I'm never that hungry. Now listen, I'm not trying to make light of something. The reality is there are people who actually eat out of dumpsters. There are people who live in landfills and countries and they have to like scrounge and eat from this. And we, just so you know, as a church, work with organizations to help this kind of stuff. So I'm not trying to make light of that, but, but what I do want you to see is the people who do that, why do they do it? Because they're desperate for food. Because they're starving. See, there's a big difference in what we're willing to consume when we're starving versus when we're satisfied. And some of you, listen, God made you to have a desire in you to be satisfied with a connection with him. And when you don't feed that connection and make a way so that connection can be sourced into your life, what ends up happening is you start dumpster diving. And even though you may have really good stuff around you, you'll find yourself engaging in activities, looking at things, thinking things, doing things, because there's a hole in you that's not being filled. And you may be married and you've got an incredible wife who loves you and treats you great, but because you're not satisfied with God like you should be, you look at pornography. It has nothing to do with your wife. It has to do with a hole in you that you're not filling with God. Or you've you're, you're got a husband and he's awesome, but you're not 
filling yourself up with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God like you should be. So there's a hole in you that's not being satisfied. And so you find yourself on Facebook connecting with that guy from high school and carrying out an emotional affair. Or doing stuff in your business. You got a great job. You make really good money, but you, you start to cheat and you start to even steal from your company and risk your job. Why? Because there's a hole in you and you're trying to fill it with something because you're not satisfied in God how you should be. And since you're not satisfied in God, you jump in dumpsters. So how do we stop jumping in dumpsters? Get satisfied in God. You have to engage with God. And it's not hard. Read the Bible, pray, worship the Lord, fill yourself up with the word. The word of God is the breath of God. It's the bread. Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You gotta, you gotta get into the word and consume the word and eat of the word. And guess what? It begins to satisfy you. God's called you to walk in relationship with him, not an information ship, a relationship where you walk with him. We wanna, that's why we say we want to help people know God, not just help people learn about God. We want you to know God and walk in a real relationship with him. Because when you do, there's a satisfaction that's brought to you that causes you to start looking at dumpsters and going, I don't want that because it's garbage. And when you're satisfied, you look at trash and you see it for what it is. It's trash. And so you don't engage with it. Some of you have engaged with trash. If you'll get full of the Spirit of God, you'll start to see that trash for what it really is. Get full, stay full of what's satisfied. I will preach it. Here's number four. Here's number four. Attend to the gates. Attend to the gates. So uh, there's a, a story in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. I encourage every one of you to read it this week. It's a really great story. And to kind of kind of synopsis the whole thing. Uh, Israel has been brought into Babylonian captivity, and when they're brought into captivity, Jerusalem is destroyed. And Jerusalem at this time is where Solomon's temple is, which if you read about Solomon's temple, it was amazing. Like it was all this gold and wealth. And so obviously when Babylon took over Israel, they just destroyed it and totally pillaged it of everything that was in it. But not only that, they just destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the city and the walls of the city. They crushed them, totally destroyed them. So eventually, um, Israel gets out of Babylonian captivity. And they're still under captivity, but not the same kind of oppression. And some of the, the Hebrew people go back to Jerusalem, and they begin to rebuild the temple. Now, it's nothing like it was before, but they want a place that can house the presence of God. And so they go back and they begin to do this. The problem is they don't rebuild the walls. So now they're, they're under attack because since they don't have the walls in place, they're open and susceptible to the attack. The work that they're wanting to do inside is good, but because the walls aren't up, the work is being attacked and there's, there's stealing and, and destruction that's taking place. And so Nehemiah hears about this and he's the cupbearer to the king and he hears about it. And so he goes to the king and he says, can I go and can I rebuild these walls? And the king says, yes. And then he keeps pushing it and eventually ends up, uh, the king funds everything, supplies some of the help uh, and, and they totally rebuild the walls, fortify the city. And now they can begin to rebuild the city and they've got the protection of the walls. What does this have to do with self-control? I'm glad you asked. Look at this verse with me. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. 
So there's a parallel here between a city and a person and the walls and self-control. So the city is you. And listen, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, Jesus comes to live with you and live in you. And the Holy Spirit of God wants to be with you. And listen, when Jesus moves in, he doesn't just want to be like a roomie and just hang. He wants to do a work. He wants to begin to transform you. And he wants to begin to work on some of your thinking and some of your, the stuff that's been crushed, the stuff that's, that's rubble. He wants to begin to build that up in you and build you into who God's called you to be. So he wants to do that work, but in order for him to do that work like he wants to, you've got to build the walls of self-control. And that keeps the enemy, because the Bible says there is an enemy, Satan, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's looking for opportunities to get in so he can disrupt the work that Jesus wants to do and keep Jesus from fulfilling, partnering with you, the work God wants to do in your life. So you've got to have these walls up. Now here's the thing about walls. Walls have gates. And in, in Bible times, these walls, they build these walls, but they would have gates because you need places where it's open so that things can come in and things can go out. And in Bible times, the gates were extremely important places because they needed things coming in. They needed to be freshly supplied and they needed to guard those gates. So they would set guards over those gates and they would put the elders at those gates because the elders could see things not everybody else could see and they understood stuff. So they attended to the gates to protect what was inside. Listen, listen, you got gates. You got gates. You know what your gates are? Your eyes are a gate. Your ears are gates. And your mouth is gates. These are access points. And they determine what you think, what you feel, and how you act. And so we need to attend to these gates. We can't just live looking at anything we want to look at, thinking anything we want to think, listening to anything. We got to pay attention and we got to invite the word of God, the wisdom of the eldership of the word of God and the spirit of God to sit at those gates and help us put a guard in place so that when thoughts come against us and words try to come out of us and we're hearing things that don't agree with God's word and who God's called us to be, we cause those things to sit under the word. And if God's word says it stays, it can stay. And if God's word says it goes, then it goes. We got to attend to the gates. We can't just look at anything we want to look at. What, what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? What are you listening to? We got to pay attention. We got to recognize God wants to do a work inside of us. He wants to rebuild some stuff. Are you partnering with that on your end like you should? Or are you asking God to do stuff and then you're listening to music and li watching stuff on TV that's tearing down the work that God's trying to do inside of you? You got to attend to the gates. You got to pay attention to what's coming in. John Piper says it like this. Where's that at? I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> I got a good point coming up here. Let's just move on. Number five. <laughs> number five. Here's point number five. Live with the end in mind. Look at Titus 2. This is a really interesting verse. Titus 2 verse 11. You throw that up there, guys. It says, for the grace of God has appeared. I'm gonna get out of the way so everybody can see this. The grace of God has appeared. I know the camera guys are mad at me right now, but get over it. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So, so think in, in terms of a person. Who is that? The grace of God that's appeared that offers salvation to all people. That is none other than Jesus. 
So this is talking about Jesus. What does Jesus want to do? It says it, but it's Jesus. Jesus teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. That's what we're talking about, right? And godly lives in this present age. So, so that's what we've been talking about in this whole message. Jesus wants to help you say no to the wrong things so you can say yes to the right things, live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. Now look what it says next. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God. So, so this, this verse speaks to this idea that, that we're waiting on something. And we're looking ahead to something. See, I want you to, to know something this morning. Jesus, who created this world and then came to this earth and lived among us, and then he, he died on the cross for us. He then rose from the grave three days later for us so we could be raised to a new life through him. He later ascended to heaven where he's seated at the right hand of God and we've been given, the Bible says, a place of authority with him there where he rules and reigns and has been given a name above all names. That Jesus, listen, is going to come back. He's coming back. And when we live with that in mind, it's going to help you with this self-control stuff sometimes. Because see, sometimes, here's, here's the problem. We get so focused on the now, we don't think about this. We don't think from an eternal perspective that when that Jesus comes back, listen, he's coming back for what the Bible calls a glorious church. And the people who have accepted him and said yes to him will be ushered into eternity in heaven where we rule and reign for him, with him forever. But those who don't are going to go to hell forever forever that's that's the eternal perspective that it's not just this moment see i i think this i think the devil is conducting a global marshmallow experiment what he wants to do is he wants to get you so focused on this marshmallow right in front of you this thing this moment even this issue that we're not moving beyond it to the greater things that God wants to do in you and through you for the world. And so we're so focused on the, this moment that our eternal perspective is lost. And so we, we come to a, a season like this where it's Easter and people are open to coming to church and we don't invite them because we see that as a as just an option instead of this incredible opportunity. I know everyone in here can think of people around you that are not walking with Jesus the way that they should. And some of them are, are, are good. If they died tomorrow, they would go to hell. And God has set us here in this season to impact that. And so we need to move beyond this marshmallow to an eternal perspective that says, I'm going to do whatever I can as a child of God who's experienced the love of Jesus Christ, is bought into the family of God to help usher you in. I'm going to do whatever I can 
to form myself into agreement with the kingdom so that through my life, the fruit of the spirit can be displayed. And so people will look at me and see Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. They see love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Here's what they see, Jesus, Jesus. So my question to you is, what's your marshmallow? What's the thing that looms larger than the Lord in your life sometimes that keeps you so focused in this immediate gratification mode that it, you can't move ahead? Maybe for some of you, it's a struggle, it's a sin, it's an issue. Maybe for some of you, it's just selfishness. I don't know. But I'm telling you, the work God wants to do is a work in you and on you. He wants to rebuild you so that you can be used to help usher people into the same kind of work where he rebuilds them. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.